You're listening to the Health Coach Nation podcast. My name is Haley Rowe, and I'm a business coach for online health coaches who want to attract their ideal clients, stop feeling defeated by their never-ending to-do list, balance a healthy lifestyle with their growing business, and stop overanalyzing what everybody thinks of them so that they can confidently own their message and online presence. On this podcast, we dive deep into health information you can share with your clients, business strategy tips, and more. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. I'm super excited about today's episode with Tony Federico. He is going to drop some marketing knowledge bombs. But before we get into today's episode, I want to let you know the show notes are at HaleyRowe.com slash marketing. And in there, you'll be able to um, have a link to get some free coffee, I believe, from Tony's company, um, the company that he works for and does marketing for. So if you want free coffee that's clean and mycotoxin-free, which means there's no mold toxins in it and it's super healthy, go to HaleyRowe.com slash marketing. And I also wanted to let you know that my free three-day consistency challenge is going to be up for a few more days in the Health Coach Nation Facebook group. So if you're wondering what that's all about and you want to watch the free videos, go to Facebook.com slash groups slash Health Coach Nation. And I'll talk to you guys on the flip side. Here we go. I am here with Tony Federico, and he's a published author, a speaker. He's spent over a decade in the trenches working as a personal trainer and a nutrition coach. And he's the current marketing um, master behind Natural Force, which is a whole foods-based nutrition company that specializes in clean coffee, collagen peptides, and MCT oil. And for people who are like, what the heck is clean coffee? That's the whole idea that there's no mycotoxins in their coffee, mold toxins, right? Right. Okay, we can perfect. get into we can go deep on clean coffee. There's a lot. Oh to it, man, but, uh, you, you got the basics. <laughs> For people who do want to learn more about that, I have a few blogs about that. Um, nice. But we, de- Tony, is the real expert. So talk to him if you really want to know about clean <laughs> clean coffee. And we'll even have a special um, link in the show notes at haleyrow.com/slash/marketing where you can get some more info about the coffee. Right. Yeah, and and actually okay. get some uh, for free. For free. Sweet. So check that out. And so now that I've read your little mini bio, Tony, I have so much I want to talk to you about because first of all, you've been a health coach and a personal trainer. You work in marketing for a health company and that's a big thing. That is a major way to learn marketing. And what I did before I was coaching was work with health startups on their marketing and business development. And it's what got me to see, oh my gosh, they're not teaching coaches this in their certification programs. And there's a huge gap between getting becoming a health coach and a personal trainer and actually taking what you learn and turning it into a business and marketing yourself and all the things that come with that. So yep. um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is your experience in marketing and kind of what it has taught you um, and how it can impact our audience who are coaches out there trying to market themselves. So I guess the first thing I would say is tell me a little bit more about what you do for Natural Force and um, and then we can get into it. Yeah, so it might actually be helpful to kind of go back a little bit to how I got, even got started in yeah, this please. and then lead into the how Natural Force became what I'm doing right now. So I went to school for exercise and sports science. Um, so that's why I studied and got my degree in. Um, part of that 
process was learning about physiology, anatomy, nutrition, um, you know, safety regulations, you know, all those types of things. And the goal of the program really was to prepare you to be a personal trainer. And I actually came out of my um, degree program. Um, we had a, a class dedicated to actually studying for the ACSM. Um, I think they've changed the name. It's like now a, you know, clinical uh, exercise physiologist is the current um, title for the certification that I got. Um, but I was prepared. I thought I was prepared. I had all this knowledge. I had all this information. And it was, it was deep dives in exercise and how neurons and, and muscle cells work and all that. So lo and behold, I start working at a gym. And I very quickly realized that other trainers, so other personal trainers, had a lot more clients than I did. Um, they did not necessarily have degrees. They did not necessarily have all that education. They didn't have the, the letters after their name, so to speak. And I began to realize that there's a huge gap in my education process. And I think that this is something that other health coaches can relate to. Um, because you get so loaded up on exercise, nutrition, all these things that you think are so important, but then you don't really learn how to actually get and keep clients. And that's a whole different skill set. Um, so what I began to learn, quote unquote, in the trenches, was that I needed to, I needed to um, know who I was as a trainer. I had to figure out what made me unique, kind of what my angle was, what my position was, what my brand was. Um, it took me some time, but ultimately I started to kind of piece that together. I think um, typically the process starts with imitation. So you look at people that you admire and you kind of copy them. And so I began to copy trainers that were implementing um, things from Paul Check and really doing a lot of functional training. Um, I began to copy yoga and Tai Chi instructors and actually got certifications in yoga and Tai Chi and began incorporating some of the mindful movements into my, uh, into my practice or into my uh, uh, coaching with my clients. And so I kind of became sort of like the mind-body trainer, you know, the one who had um, you know, not like a super woo-woo perspective, but like a little woo, you know, and that became my brand. Um, so what I just want to say is, you know, there's there's so much to being a health coach, and oftentimes that's missed in the core training. And the things that really make the difference are, you know, understanding who you are as a brand, being able to share that consistently with clients. Um, you got to actually let them into that. It's one thing for you to have it in your head, but you also have to be able to speak to it and um, eloquently and succinctly kind of get to the point of, hey, this is what I do and this is how I think I can help you. Um, and doing that for 10 years and along the way, picking up other things like uh, hosting a podcast. I hosted a podcast for Paleo Magazine for four years and I wrote articles for them and I went to fitness events and I, I did public speaking. I began to realize that oh, wow, this thing that I used to think was like a dirty word when I first came out of school, which is selling and sales and marketing and networking, all these things that I thought, I'm going to be a trainer, so I don't have to do that. I realized like that was everything that I was doing. And ultimately, when the opportunity to join the team at Natural Force presented itself, I had never worked a, a specific marketing job before, but I was able to come right in as vice president of marketing for a, for a health and nutrition company just based on the experience and and the the personal uh, learning that I had uh, had over the the previous ten years, so um, it was a long road to get to where I am. But I think that um, a lot of people have a similar uh, path that they're following. 
Yes, I love that you shared your whole journey and the fact that it's about knowing what makes you unique, your unique selling proposition, and being able to repeat that consistently and not get discouraged when it doesn't take off right away. And the fact that, you know, you always have to be tweaking and listening to what your audience needs and whatnot. But I love that because I think what what happens a lot of times, and I'm glad you said, you know, I stepped into this role as VP of marketing after all of this stuff already happened for many, many years. And I think people think, oh, it's just a quick, like, I'll get my certification. I'm so, I, you know, and I'll have a health coaching business. But there's so much about selling and marketing that's a skill set and you have to develop over right. time. So thank you for sharing your story. And how could somebody, let's say somebody is um, a new health coach and you were saying, you know, I had a little bit of woo woo. I had a little bit of, um, background in mindful movement that made me a little unique. Um, what would be some tips for someone who's sitting here and listening and saying, I don't really know what makes me special or, um, or I feel like what does make me special, other people are doing it too. So tell Mm -hmm. me a little more about some tips to come up with your unique selling proposition Um, without feeling like it's what everybody is doing at the same time. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people get paralysis by analysis. Um, It's sort of like the stereotypical writer's block. Um, You know, as somebody who's who's written a book and who's done a lot of writing and, and a lot of blogging and articles over the years, I know how intimidating it is to stare at a blank page. And I think when somebody puts the question to you, like, what are you about? What's your unique selling proposition? What's your brand? People just go blank. Mm-hmm. But if they were to actually have a third party, a friend, a family member, uh, if you were to ask somebody else, basically, what's unique about Mike? What's unique about Janine? They'd probably be able to rattle it off instantly because everybody is just as a matter of fact, unique. Nobody is the same. So the first thing is to just understand, well, you are unique. And it's not a matter of creating something that you're not. It's about revealing who you are. And if you um, undertake that process, that can take a little of the intimidation factor out of it because it's not like you're wandering around in the wilderness trying to find something that you don't possess. It's really, ah, how do I actually see myself from maybe a third party perspective? So like for me, for example, um, just what I said before, you know, the first thing is, well, follow your interests. What are you interested in? Well, I was I was interested in Tai Chi and yoga. Well, okay, follow those interests. Get some education there. Get some learning there. Get some experience there. Okay, now that becomes part of who I am. Well, I'm also interested in functional movement. Okay, learn about you know Paul Check stuff. And this is going back you know quite some time. Um, you know, and then early like CrossFit days. I mean, I was looking at Greg Glassman stuff on CrossFit.com like literally before the whole CrossFit boom was even a thing. There was like five CrossFit gyms back then, and it was Greg Glassman on YouTube like talking about you know, uh, you know, building resiliency and, and being able to just do any kind of thing at any time, whether it's run or jump or, or swing or chop or whatever the case may be. So by following my interests, I was able to reveal to myself who I was and who mm-hmm. I already was, which is somebody who's interested in a little woo, somebody who's <laughs> interested in some science. Mm-hmm. And my unique thing is bringing those things together because a lot of people would kind of stay in one lane. Yoga instructors focus on yoga. Tai Chi, they stay on Tai Chi. Functional, they go all functional. Well, mm-hmm. what, do, what do great artists do? What do great chefs do? Well, they draw inspiration and they create something new. They create a fusion of 
pre-existing things. And that's what we are. We are a fusion of all of our interests and hobbies, etc. So if you're trying to figure out who you are, just pay attention to what you actually like. Follow those interests. Let them lead you back to yourself. Um, and that might not be a super technical way of going about yeah. it. But ultimately, I think that's as honest as I can be about the process. And I think that because it's really about getting honest and truthful with yourself, what do you really like? What do you really care about? I heard a phrase once that went, what is most personal is most universal. If you can really dive deep into your own personal interests and your own personal passion and get really real with yourself, other people are going to feel that. Even, if, even though it might not be exactly their thing, they're going to feel that you're genuinely authentic and being yourself because you're going to speak with that passion. You're going to speak with that energy. You're going to bring that to the table and to all your interactions and your clients are going to feel that. And yeah, maybe they're not going to become clones of you. And that certainly shouldn't be an expectation, but they're going to know that you're legit. Mm -hmm. That is going to be way more powerful than thinking to yourself, I need to be, I need to be someone that I'm, that I'm not. And then go about kind of crafting this artifice, this house of cards of, you know, who you think you should be, because that's going to fall apart. It's going to be flimsy. You're going to be caught on your heels when somebody asks you a question or when you're put on the spot. You don't want to have that background noise of, am I really being honest with myself? Well, this isn't really who I am. This isn't really what I like. Um, and that isn't to say that once you do follow your own hobbies and interests and, and kind of establish, okay, like this is this is what I am about right now. It doesn't mean that you have to hold that forever, you're going to evolve, you're going to change. It can be a dynamic process. And in fact, it really will be a dynamic process. Mm -hmm. um, you know, somebody who was really involved in the paleo community for many years, I saw the transition from people who built their brands around paleo to building their brands around their personal self. So it went from being something like, and I'll just use the example of uh, Stupid Easy Paleo um, is a blog by Stephanie Gaudreau. Um, I've known her for many years. And We've interacted and, and done podcasts together and, and you know met at events and all that. And um, when she first started, it was Stupid Easy Paleo. Well, what is it now? It's StephGaldro.com. Well, because over the years of doing paleo, she realized, hey, I'm into jujitsu. Hey, I'm into working out and, and building up my muscles and not necessarily following um, you know the status quo feminine aesthetic of like you know super tiny like you know, Pilates physique. She realized who she was by following her interests and then rebranded herself when it was the right time. So it's not like you're writing anything in stone. You don't have to worry about that, but just be yourself, allow yourself to see yourself. And I think that's probably the most powerful thing you can do as far as establishing what your brand is. Yes. I, I think people overcomplicate it too. And they do think once they decide it's, that's set in stone and they have to stick with it and it paralyzes them. And one of the things that I see this happen all the time, or I see this happen all the time among my clients and when I'm working with people is their niche too. They think if they pick a certain niche right. that's very specific, they can never expand. They're closing themselves off from everybody else. And the one thing that I've noticed is the more personal I've gotten, the more vulnerabilities I've put out, the more specific I got with my niche, the more I've gotten other people who don't fit within those categories have actually reached out to me and just said, you know, like, I really respect what you're doing. Or like, even though you don't coach, you know, 
X type of people. I'm still really interested. Do you, do you work with us, <laughs> this kind of right. group? And it's been great because when I was being super general and I was just trying to be more uh, trying to please everybody versus mm-hmm. focusing inward on what am I about? What are my values? How do I want to communicate this brand in a way that's really authentic to me? I did not have the same response. I was marketing to everybody and getting to no one. And so I love that you um, shared that quote about being, you know, getting personal. Um, So I love that. Okay. So getting uh, your unique selling proposition can be more of personal discovery. You have to know yourself first before you can know your brand, your company, how you want to be as a coach. Um, Now I will, will, I do want to just add a little postscript though. Please do. not knowing who you are and not having your brand should in no way, shape or form stop you from getting started. Yes. Because oh. you're, because it is a lifetime process. Mm-hmm. So if you are thinking, oh, I need to figure out who I am and then I can start my coaching practice. No, you need to start your coaching practice as soon as you possibly can to start getting the experience that's going to help you to become a better coach, get more clear on who you are and to build a stronger brand. Because it's exactly what you just said, Haley. That when you first started, you tried to please everybody and ended up kind of connecting with nobody. And that's kind of where we all start. We're all Mm going to start being very unselective when it comes to our clients. Hey, when I first began working as a personal trainer, I would take anybody. And you should, because that's how you learn who you actually want to work uh, with and who are your type of clients. And therefore, your a uh, specific niche will then again become revealed as you go through this process. So I just want to mention, don't sit on your hands and wait for this perfect time to magically appear. The perfect time is now, basically. Yes. So just oh my wanna, gosh. Just want to make sure to add that. Thank you. I am a huge, I am the biggest fan of starting and not yes. <laughs> being um, a perfectionist. And actually recently, the most, the, the thing that's really sticking out to me is I've always said, oh, like, I can't do X until it's really, really good or perfect or put it out until it's absolutely perfect. And it has stopped me in the past. But Mm. recently, my new thought pattern around that is that perfectionism actually um, is a lazy excuse because you're you're not doing things because you think that you want to make it perfect, but really it's just an excuse to yourself to not do it at all. (laughs) So um, I love that. Okay, so people want to you want to get started. There's no wrong path. We all learn. It's like dating. You have to have a few clients first, maybe to see who's a fit and what kind of, what's your type. Um, So tell me a little bit more about common mistakes that you see either other coaches and personal trainers making when it comes to marketing or how we can um, start to, actually, let's start with that. Yeah. What, what mistakes, common mistakes you see? So I'll just speak from personal experience Um, rather than uh, throwing shade at other coaches. I'll just throw shade at myself. The biggest mistake that I made in my coaching career was I didn't realize how important it was to document and systemize at the very beginning. And I think, again, this is one of those things that you don't learn typically in your coaching training, whether it's a certification program or, you know, a degree program or whatever the case may be. Because one of the things that I saw over and over and over again was trainers and coaches who could point to a book of client before and afters, of client success stories, of client transformations, basically the ones who could provide the social proof, if we want to bring in a marketing term, they 
always had more clients. They always had more uh, filled schedules. And if I had, if I had really absorbed that right from the get go, and every single time I worked with a client was like, "Hey, I'm gonna grab my phone. We're gonna do a before picture. We're gonna, you know, write down your measurements. And after 30 days, we're gonna we're gonna check in again. And I would certainly check in with people, but it would be written notes. It wasn't anything that was like stored in like an efficient, like searchable way. I was like the, well, and again, maybe this is dating myself, but we had um, file cabinets. So it's just like folders full of like client files. And like, when you stop training with somebody, like their, their file would go into the client purgatory of the back of the, the filing cabinet versus having an easily accept uh, an easily accessible and shareable um, a format. So that's probably the biggest thing. Anytime you're working with a client, you need to think to yourself, this client is going to help me get my next client. And it's not just saying, you know, hey, uh, Jim or Tom or whatever, can you refer me to somebody else? That that certainly is a big part of it. But it's documenting those successes. And then that way you can show people, hey, this is what I've done. This is how many people I've helped. Here are their pictures. Here are their stories. Here are the objective measurements of success that I've accumulated over the past few years. Had I done that, I probably would have had a book full of a thousand clients or more easily. And is anyone going to be able to look at a thousand success stories and be like, I don't want to work with that guy? Heck no. Even if you have 10, 20, 30, 50, that's still going to put you so far ahead of the competition. So probably the number one mistake is not documenting in a, a systemized shareable, easily accessible way, whether it's using, you know, Dropbox or something in, you know, some cloud-based format, your client successes right from the very beginning. And of course, not every client's going to be a success. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some, but um, go into it with the attitude that everyone is going to be a success and get those stories. Those are gold when it comes to getting and retaining future clients. It's probably the biggest thing I can hopefully impress upon people. And then yeah. my, you know, if I were to go back in time and talk to myself 10 years ago, that's what I would have told myself that I needed to do. Love it. I'm so glad you shared that because I, I'm a big fan of social proof and, and having those readily available during calls with potential clients. And, um, the thing that I see a lot of my clients doing is, is fearing that, their clients aren't going to have success or fearing that they can't start without already having some social proof in the bank um, to, to show in the beginning. So my question would be for a brand new coach, and I've gotten this question a few times privately, and I answer it a certain way, but I'd like to hear how you answer it because yeah. you might have a better idea. Um, if they don't have testimonials in the beginning. Do you recommend that they do free coaching at first? Do you recommend that? What, what do you recommend they do? Well, the free coaching thing is a little tricky mm -hmm. um, because I did that. I gave away a lot of myself um, and it typically didn't work out very well. And it didn't work out very well for um, me because I was, I was working and basically not getting paid. And for the client, even if they came into it, really passionate and seemingly genuine in their interest in making a change, the fact that there was no monetary transaction, it devalued maybe even subconsciously the experience for them so that you're almost shooting yourself in the foot before you even get started. So I'm 
I'm really not a fan of working for free. I think there always needs to be an, a value exchange. Mm -hmm. And part of it is knowing that even if all you've done is gone through a health coach training program and read some books and had some personal experience, a lot of people, let me just say, a lot of people get into this and maybe everybody gets into this kind of business because they wanted to change themselves at yes, some point. Yes, absolutely. They didn't, like who, they didn't like what was going on in their life. They made a personal change. They had a personal transformation. And then that inspired a desire to help other people go through their own transformation process. So if you're listening to this, you've probably already done the work on yourself, which means you've got one case study already. You've got one piece of social proof. It's your own story. How did you transform yourself? How did you transform your life? Whether it was weight loss, getting off drugs, getting over a negative mental attitude or mindset, overcoming difficult life circumstances. Mm -hmm. What's your story? And this is going back to what we were saying before about building your brand. Brands are not just what you do. What you do is important, but it's also who you are. So your story and figure out how did I even get to this place? You probably overcame. Hold on. I'm going to interrupt you because it stopped after you said so. And then something about story. So could you um, repeat what you were saying about story? What? Uh, do you so you, what you share your, you, you overcame drugs. You had, um, you overcame your negative mindset. It's all about, you have one story already to communicate with potential clients. Right. I think I just repeated it. <laughs> I think we're good. <laughs> but yeah. so, okay. you know, again, you've got a story to tell. And regardless of what you overcame to get to where you are today, that's your first success. Mm -hmm. You overcame something to even be in the position of thinking about taking on a client. So you've already got that first uh, before and after in the bank. So start there, write that out. Mm -hmm. The next thing that I would say is, yeah, hey, you've got friends and family. Well, tap them, like use them. They may be willing to participate um, you know, in testing out a, 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 a nutrition plan, an exercise plan, uh, you know, a, a, a mental uh, overhaul, whatever the case may be. And you might be able to build up another three, four, five, quote unquote, case studies, testimonials, whatever you call it, um, just by using your own internal network. And that isn't to say that you shouldn't even, that you should do that for free. Again, going back to what I was saying, like, I think there always should be some sort of monetary exchange, but certainly you can work at a discount and say, um, you know, maybe even have them give you a certain amount of money. And if they achieve their stated objectives, give the money back. Like there's ways to, there's ways to do it. Even if you haven't had your first quote unquote real client yet. So mm -hmm. start with yourself. You were, you were your first client. So document that, write that out. What was your success story personally? That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, family and friends. Hopefully you've got a few of them to work with and figure out a creative way to get into a coaching relationship with one of them. It doesn't necessarily have to be a super close friend. Sometimes if it's more tangential or an associate, you know, somebody that you're not real tight with, that can be a little bit better because that baggage from the relationship um, can make it difficult. For example, your parents are probably not the ideal clients. Yeah. Your, your spouse or significant other is probably not the <laughs> ideal client. You know, you want somebody who's a little bit separated um, but still have some sort of value exchange. And like I said, there's, you know, there's plenty of ways that you can do that, whether it's taking the money as like a deposit, giving it, giving it back, operating at a discount. But 
I would almost say like 100% don't ever work for free because that's just setting you off on the wrong foot and you're going to devalue what you do. That energy is then going to come through and then people are going to devalue you because you're not, yep. not giving yourself that worth. And if you don't think you're worth it, nobody else is. Yes, I completely agree. The only thing I do for free is a call with somebody before coaching to see if they're a fit, to see what their goals are, to see if we're a good, you know, team. And I say the same thing to my clients. I say, if you can do a free little strategy call with them to give them some initial action steps that they could take um, and see if you guys are a good fit to work together, you could even get a small testimonial just from the actions they take from your quick call, you know, that was actually also a sales call. So there's ways to get creative with it. But I completely agree with you that if you're doing a long term practicing your program or what you're going to be putting out there, it's a disservice to everybody if you do it for free, because they don't have skin in the game, you're going to feel a little bit of resentment or overworked or burnt out, not bringing your best energy. I'm all about the energy too. When you said I'm a little bit of woo woo and a little bit of science, I'm like, Oh yeah, Tony. (laughs) Cause I, um, last week I did a podcast on like the law of attraction and all this positive stuff. And today we're talking marketing and strategies and I'm a big like Grant Cardone fan. So I love that. Um, we're so in sync. Yes. (laughs) Love it. So, okay. Good stuff. So let's just recap. Everybody, the one thing that I know I need to do better based on everything you've said so far is document even the little wins from start to finish for each of my clients because I tend to get so caught up in working in my business and just doing all the strategy, you know, things with my clients that I almost forget or I just don't leave time to track all the good stuff. And there's, it's also one of those things when it comes to marketing, I find the biggest challenge for myself and my clients is we're spending so much time either with our clients, putting our program together, you know, whatever that we don't have enough time for the most important thing, the gas to the car, which is marketing and making sure we're putting out the positive social proof. Like I have tons of stuff in a folder that I could be using that I'm just like, I'll get around to it. I'll do it later. So what do you tell coaches when they're like, you know, I want to be doing all this, but I also need to be coaching. Need I have another job right now. Maybe they aren't full time yet with coaching. They don't have a lot of time with marketing. What are what are the best ways for us to spend our time um, if we don't have that much of it when it comes to marketing? You know, uh, this is like a little bit of like the Gary Vee perspective where you've got time. Uh, everyone's got time because we're all working with the same 24 hours a day. And why is it that Bill Gates does what he does with his 24 hours and, you know, Joe Schmo down the street does what he does for his 24 hours? They've got they both got the same amount of time. So the time is there. Um what are your time wasters? Yeah. Do a time audit. Treat yourself like you would a client who's coming to you with like dietary problems. What do you do? Well, a food journal. Hey, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight and I need to get on exercise. Okay, what are you going to do? You're going to document. So document yourself. Again, it's just point it back to yourself. How are you spending your time? Are you on your phone five hours a day scrolling through Facebook and Instagram? Well, an hour of that time would have been enough for you to work on your business and not Mm -hmm. necessarily be in your business, like what you were saying and just start chipping away at some of these things. One of the lessons that I was fortunate enough to learn relatively early within the first couple of years of my training career was to understand the difference between urgent and important um, events. 
urgent is the phone ringing, is getting a text notification, is somebody messaging you on Slack or on Facebook. Mm -hmm. It immediately demands your attention in the short term. Important are things that are future oriented. It's working on what's gonna come next. So I made it a goal. Once I understood that there was this difference between urgent and important, because you can, you can have a quote unquote busy day and you can feel like you did a lot by just addressing urgent tasks and weeks, months, years can go by and you're actually gonna find that you're not in any substantially different position than you were before, except you're a little bit more tired or maybe a lot more tired, yeah. a little bit more or a lot more burnt out or resentful or whatever the case may be. So one of the things that I did was to commit to working on at least one important thing every single day. Mm-hmm. And this applies for my position right now where, you know, I, we're on Slack, you know, that we're a remote team. I work from home. Um, so at any given time, somebody could, you know, hit me up with a message. Hey, we've got this customer support ticket. A uh, customer had XYZ experience with the products that we got to, you know, uh, troubleshoot and figure out what's going on and something didn't get shipped right or whatever. I could spend my whole day doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But what about, you know, building assets for new products? What about creating landing pages for like an influencer promotion or, you know, there are all these things that are going to actually help move the needle and get us to where we want to go, which is growth that are important. Same thing that I did as a personal trainer. Every single day, invest in trying to do at least one important thing. So that would be maybe working on your your testimonial book. That could be working on your website. That could be putting together more polished materials or or um, you know refining um, your existing assets. If you've got like an ebook uh, that you're working with, for example, you know maybe taking that up to like a better version with you know better visuals and a better layout, etc. Dedicate at least some of your day to yeah. important things. Totally. You can't afford not to is really the thing that I want to impress. Mm-hmm. You can't afford not to. It's so true. And you have to be results oriented versus task oriented. Like I'm exactly. just going to fill my day with all these little tiny tasks and I'm feeling really cool because I'm checking them off. But right. at the end of the day, what is actually, what targets are you reaching? What targets are you aiming, aiming for? Um, and regarding the time piece, I know that, you know, I'm, I'm, I've done a time audit and I highly recommend that everybody download the app toggle. It's T O G G L I think. And, um, it's free and it allows you to track all your activities. And by the end of the week, it sends you a report via email on how many hours you spent doing this and this and this. And I Mm. cannot tell you how helpful it was to be like, wow, it actually takes me like three hours to get, certain things for the podcast and the newsletter all set up or whatever, or, you know, it, it, it really allows you to be more true and realistic with your yeah. time so that you're not setting unrealistic expectations for yourself. And so you can start to see, wow, this actually is costing me a lot to not outsource this, for example, because I could be, you know, getting in touch with potential clients and getting, you know, on Facebook Live and whatever, connecting with my audience. So I highly recommend doing what you said, the time audit. It's really something. (laughs) And of course, it will always be a work in progress. And I have days where I'm like, wow, it's nine o'clock already at night. And where did the day go? (laughs) But um, I love that advice. And I love that you kind of have the 
tough love approach when it comes to time and time management, because you're right. We all have the same amount of time in the day. It's just, how are you spending it? And yeah, love it. So, okay. So we need to get better about our time. We need to have our social proof and our be working on our long-term vision for our business, not just the little day-to-day things. I like the description between urgent versus important. And tell me a little bit about what activities, when it comes to marketing, either you can answer this for natural force or for how you think it'll best serve our audience of personal trainers and coaches. What are the activities that lead to the most growth? So I know you said having social proof and having people get a, such a good experience that they're referring you. What are some other things that have a really high return on our time? Well, uh, so if we want to get into some, and I'm assuming that most of the people that you're you're speaking to are operating in the digital. Uh, yes, digital online world. coaches primarily. Mm-hmm. Right. So I would say that it's a worthwhile investment to learn SEO. Um, it's one of those things that in terms of the return on investment, it's almost impossible to find a better uh, ROI. So what that means is instead of just being like, okay, I've got my personal website, I'm, I need to blog. Okay, I'm gonna blog about this, okay? Well, then I'm gonna blog about that, okay? And this and that and this and that. No, like you need to, you need to understand. Strategy. You got to strategize. You need to, you need to have a keyword goal, you know, certain keywords that you're, you're going after. Um, so like, for example, if I were to do this for myself right now, it would probably be like, you know, uh, like, let's say for example, I lost my job at natural force and I was going to get back into coaching and maybe I wanted to do like business coaching. I would be like, okay, I'm trying to find, uh, coaching clients that are in the health and nutrition space who are maybe even working in you know, natural foods. So what I would start looking at is, are there current existing other blogs, basically competitors out there? Okay, who are they? What are they writing about? Um, what type of articles are they featuring? Okay, Google Keyword Planner, it's totally free. It's, you know, you can just type in Google Keyword Planner as long as you have a Gmail account or a Google account, you can get access to it. You can start throwing keywords in there and seeing what comes back. What are people actually searching for? Are people searching for, you know, best, uh, you know, best health mentor? Are they searching for, you know, natural foods mentorships? Are they looking for CPG, uh, you know, CPG uh, coaching, CPG marketing coach? You don't know. Like you need to, you need to be able to turn that. Just as important as turning that lens inward and understanding who you are, you need to then at a certain point be able to pivot and say, okay, I'm going to turn the lens outward and see. It's not about me. It's about my potential future clients. What do they care about? What are they searching for? And that's where Google Keyword Planner comes in. That's where doing a competitor keyword analysis comes in. Um, I mean, that's so important. I feel like um, aside from getting the social proof and the testimonials, having some basic understanding of SEO and how to go about constructing an SEO optimized blog article it's just going to be night and day whether or not you're getting traffic and therefore leads and therefore clients or not. And then just wondering why it's just crickets whenever you post something because you can get 90% of the results with about 10% of the available information about SEO. Um, doing a search online, 
best SEO tactics, best, you know, how to optimize, you know, blog posts, you're going to go through and you're going to learn, okay, how do I need to construct a title? How do I then need to construct um, headings within the actual structure of my blog post? Um, what about alt text for images so that they come up with like in a Google image search as well? Those are things that might seem a little bit overwhelming. They might seem a little bit alien to somebody who's, you know, really been focused on helping people, but you need to understand how these search algorithms work because it's just like my own personal process coming to grips with the idea of like selling. When I finally realized that if I didn't sell, I didn't help. If I don't sell somebody on a training package, I'm not able to help that person. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also not able to help them help myself. So that helped me to transform selling from being a dirty word into something that I actually embraced. And similarly, SEO is one of those things that people hear and then their, their mind just shuts down because they're like, sounds complicated, I don't wanna deal with it. Again, take that block of important time that you've already determined is, is important and you need to allocate. Spend an hour researching SEO, you're gonna be so much better off for it. And all the time that you're gonna spend on writing articles and all these blogs, they're automatically gonna benefit from it. It's basically paying yourself forward and once you have it implemented, it's gonna keep working for you day in and day out. Unlike pay-per-click advertising on like Facebook or Instagram or Google, unlike um, you know working with influencers or all these other things that are, are one-off, that are pay-for-play, SEO is gonna work for you day in and day out. It's like passive, it's like a you know passive revenue stream basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that would be my my main kind of tactical mm -hmm. thing is get brushed up to a functional level with you know just some basic SEO optimization understanding. I love that. And I really it's important that you said our brains shut down and we don't want to yeah. learn it because I think what happens is people are like, "Oh, that takes time. Oh, that means I have to blog every single week or pick my blogging you know, frequency and stick with it. Yeah, you and should. <laughs> it, it, it's, I know it, I, but I know my clients and I know even myself in the back of my head, I'm like, oh God, that's just another thing to add to my plate. Sounds like work. <laughs> but people, you got to understand it's, you are your own boss. You are your own teammate. You, it's all you baby. And yeah, you got to exactly. go with, you got to stick with the strategies that have high return on investment. And a few yep. things that have helped me make SEO a little simpler. I will not claim to be the SEO queen at all because I do podcast show notes and those don't even count as a blog. I don't know if you know that, but um, recently I learned from Neil Patel that when you do all this time creating your show notes for a podcast, it doesn't really rank in SEO like it would if it was a blog post. It just doesn't do as well. Um, so I hope I'm accurate, but I know I learned that from Neil Patel. He's a great person for people to go to if they're I'm like, ah, I need to know. <laughs> is he? Do you think yeah. so? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the other, the other thing is, um, Yoast SEO. So if you guys use WordPress, there's plugins that help you guide you to creating a better SEO optimized blog or podcast show notes or whatever. Like it will be like, pick a focus keyword. You use this focus keyword too many times, take it out a few times or add alt text to your image. That's the focus keyword. Like it, it's very easy to use. So for people who are like, ah, and they have a WordPress site, 
Yoast SEO is a good way to at least start with that. And Google Keyword Planner is something I'll have to remember to put in the show notes, or you can just search Google Keyword Planner. I love that it's free. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Okay. So SEO. And what is... And then just to give you like some, you know, uh, testimonials, Mm -hmm. right now for Natural Force, we're, we're ranking... In the first position on Google search, uh, you know, SERPs, the the search engine result page. So whenever somebody types in a Google for things like how much MCT oil should I take per day? Um, and for a company that sells MCT oil, Perfect. to be the, the number one spot for how much MCT oil to take per day is great. And that wasn't by accident. It was a deliberate systematic approach that led to us ranking for that keyword as well as for many other keywords. We um, actually um, went from, I don't know, maybe 20,000 visitors per month on our website to, you know, this past month up to about 100,000, which isn't world changing, but it's a 5x improvement. And it wasn't because we just kept doing what we were doing. It's because we sought out information. We sought out help. We had, we, we hired somebody to do an SEO audit. Yes. It's like $400. It's not nothing but it's not uh it's not cost prohibitive somebody can afford mm-hmm. you know to pay an expert three four hundred bucks to go through and be like hey i think you have an opportunity with this keyword hey you could be setting up the structure of your website xyz ways to have it be um better indexed by google have it be more mobile friendly have the pages load faster whatever the case may be so we're able to 5x our, our website traffic through using just basic SEO practices and, and, and leveraging them on a consistent, um, consistently. Mm-hmm. So our own personal case study is it works. And all of that traffic then is an opportunity to start converting people into leads, converting those leads into paying customers, converting those customers into fans with repeat purchases who refer you to other customers. And that's how you create that virtuous cycle. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, great testimonial. And who is the, if you don't mind me asking, you don't have to share if you don't want to, but who, what's the company that did the SEO audit? Because I've heard of a few. Um, well, we, so we actually worked with um, a guy named Alex Jordan. Um, I'll have to look it up in my email to see what his actual business name is. Okay. Um, it's in, it's probably literally just on the header of the report that he sent us over, but I'd have to look it up to, yeah, to see what no worries. And we can add it to the show notes, but I'll find it for you. That'd be great. Thank you so much. And the other thing is um, Smart Passive Income has a few podcasts about SEO audits, and there was some really tactical good good ones. So if you guys are confused and you're listening to this episode, I would check that out. Search Smart Passive Income and search um, website audit or SEO audit. Cool. Now, what if people are like, okay, that's nice, but I'm just starting and I just have a landing page right now and an email opt-in and I'm working on getting clients right now. I also still, you know, am working in person with clients and they don't have a blog yet. What would you say their best bet is if they don't have a blog? Well, or would you say get started on that blog ASAP? Yeah, I mean, if you if you have if you're trying to keep it simple and you have a landing page, maybe you have some sort of lead magnet, you know, and that's what your you know opt in is, you know, the call to action for the opt in is going to be, you know, getting some sort of resource, some sort of guide, you know, some sort of quiz, um, 
I think that that's fine. You're still going to need to find out a way to get traffic to it, to get people to it. Um, SEO is a way to do that in a really cost-effective way. But if you're not ready to pull the trigger on building out a full website for whatever reason, I mean, it's not a small undertaking. Um, and then you're also kind of committing, like you said, to supporting that website. So, you know, if you're going to have a site and you're not posting regular content and you're not in a position to start doing that, well, it's probably not going to really work for you. So mm-hmm. um, I'd say you're really going to be kind of forcing yourself to look at pay-per-click. Um, so you're going to need to get into Facebook and Instagram ads or Google ads. You're just going to need to get people to your landing page somehow. And if you're not doing that through SEO, you're going to have to pay. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think if you have a strong offer and you feel like it actually delivers like value, real value that's relevant. Um, you can run successful Facebook advertising campaigns. Um, but again, you're going to need to learn how to do Facebook and Instagram advertising, at least on a basic level. Um, you're going to need to understand, well, okay, how much does it cost me to acquire a client? Um, let's say you put together a lead magnet. Um, you've got your graphics and all your assets and you're like, all right, I'm ready to start running some ads. Well, if it costs you a hundred dollars, to get somebody to opt in uh, and give you your uh, give you their email address, well, you better have a thousand dollar, ten thousand yeah. dollar product to right. make that hundred dollar uh, customer acquisition cost worth it. Um, you know, ideally, you're going to be able to look at that and say, okay, I have a reasonable expectation that if a hundred people opt in, I'm going to get ten clients. Okay, great. What are those ten clients worth for me? Um, Therefore, how much can I spend on those hundred people just to get uh, just to get those leads? Uh, you're still gonna—I mean—you're still gonna have to do some math. You're still gonna have to do some work. And you know that actually kind of brings up something that I think is important to share. None of this is easy. There's no magic bullet. And I think that oftentimes you might see ads where people are like, "I 10x my coaching practice with this one simple trick, and now I'm making ten thousand dollars a month." And you can too by downloading my thing. It's like, well, that's probably a good ad, but it's also highly unrealistic. And I would imagine that the percentage of people who actually have that level of success is less than 1% of the people who follow the program. Mm -hmm. None of this stuff is easy. It's all work. And that's not a bad thing. What in our life has been uh, valuable and meaningful and important and satisfying that didn't require work? Nothing. Anything that you got easily, and I'm using a general you. I'm not putting you on the spot, Haley. No, I love this. <laughs> I agree. Anything, yeah. Yeah. It's like if somebody, if I were to just come up to you and be like, "Hey, here you go. You know, here's here's this book that I wrote." I'm like, all right, all right, great. I got this. Now I got a book I have to get rid of or put on my shelf or you know something. You didn't you didn't have any investment in. It. It's just going back to what we were saying before about clients. Why you shouldn't really do free sessions, a free consultation. That's one thing. That's the initial introduction. But for the same reason that you shouldn't do free sessions, you shouldn't even be enamored by or or romanced by or seduced by the quick fix, the silver bullet, the panacea, the get rich quick scheme. All of it's gonna take work. You're either gonna work on SEO or you're gonna work on how to run Facebook and Instagram ads or you're gonna work on both or you're gonna work on having like a a rock solid affiliate network. And more than likely, you're going to work on all of those things if you want to exist in this space. Because 
to be successful online, you're going to have to do all the things that make you successful in person. You have to, you're going to have to introduce yourself to people. They need to get to know who you are. They need to know what you do. They need to know why you do it. And the way that you do that in person is by having conversations. The way you do that online is by blog posts. It's by ads. It's by uh, lead magnets. It's all of this material that's going to warm somebody up to build trust that, hey, this person knows what they're talking about. They have authority. They're giving value. Okay, well, how do I then move up that value chain to a deeper relationship? Maybe it's some coaching sessions. Maybe it's a mastermind group, whatever the case may be. One way or another, though, it's going to be work. So I think that that's probably the main point that I want to impress <laughs> is there are no shortcuts. Yeah, right. And I've seen this shift in the health and wellness world as well, not just the business world, where coaches now, I'm seeing more and more of them say, you know, my program is not a quick fix. It's not a fad diet. I'm really all about creating a healthy lifestyle that lasts, creating habit change, creating, you know, changing your brain, the way it works. I've been seeing this shift where people are more interested in that versus in the past, I think people have been um, more interested in the fads and the quick fixes and the, you know, intermittent fasting yeah, and all that yeah. stuff and starting now and getting results right now. And, and there, there will always be people who are successful promoting a quick fix situation. Right. Um, and marketing is very much about giving people what they want. And, and then when they sign up with you, giving them what they really, really need to get right. what they want. And a lot of times they don't understand what they need to get what they want and that it takes time. So what's your suggestion for coaches who are like, yes, I want to market like healthy lifestyle, long-term results, blah, blah, blah. But then they're finding that people aren't signing up because people are like, no, I want a quick fix. What What's kind of a tip there? Yeah. So I think it's possible to find the middle ground. Um, exactly what you said. You need to give people what they want and then kind of nest within that what they really need. So one of the things that I did as a when I was working as a personal trainer, and this is one of the things that I'd always try to tease out during that initial consultation session, is what is this person's stated goal? Okay, sit down with a client. What is your goal? I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay, lose 10 pounds, great. Um, okay, what else? Oh, well, I want to tone up my arms. Okay, you want to lose 10 pounds, you want to tone up your arms. Okay, great. Figure out what they want. Then what I would do is associate what they want with what I know they need. Okay, you want to lose 10 pounds. Well, okay, here's how we're going to do that. We're going to get you eating a primarily whole food-based diet. We're going to start cutting back on processed refined foods. I'm going to have you do a nice, easy three-day food journal, okay? So that's how we're going to do that 10-pound weight loss. Okay, and you want to tone up your arms? Great. So here's what's going to tone up your arms. We're going to do complex functional movements, things like pull-ups. Maybe start with assisted pull-ups or, or rows. You know, we're going to find what the appropriate level is for you. So then I would tie in all those things that I know they need, which is whole foods and functional movement, but I'm going to connect it to what they want. So I think that that's sort of the secret sauce is if you can understand the mind of your customer, which is to say, understand where they're at, understand the way they're thinking about things and have a real passion for finding that out, like really be interested in learning, like what is it that you really want? Okay. Because once you know what they really want, then you can connect it 
and tie it into what you know, based on your experience and education and training, what they actually need, which is more often than not going to be the same for most people. Um, we are all unique creatures, but we're also all human beings. And so it's not like there's people out there who just can't eat whole foods, who just shouldn't do functional movements. I've had clients who are in wheelchairs doing functional movements. I've had you know clients who are you know 400 pounds and clients who were you know coming out of eating disorders, uh, anorexia, bulimia, et cetera. Well, in both cases, whole foods are gonna work for them. You might have to tweak, you might have to understand their personal habits and inclinations and existing routines. So again, you can tie it back into gradually shifting them towards a better place. Um, but you need to you need to do both. And I think that if you're do, going back to what we're talking about with SEO or advertising, both of those skills are really about understanding the wants. They're really about understanding the mind of the, the customer or the client. And then the content itself is where you deliver what they need. So you really have to be clear on both of those things. But I think that there is a way to find that middle ground because otherwise, if you're coming at it and I like, let's say, for example, you sat down with me and you're like, I want to lose 10 pounds and I want to tone up my arms. And I say, well, we're just going to do uh, a whole food based diet and we're going to have you do a bunch of like pull ups. You'd be like, that's not what I said I wanted to do because I'm not <laughs> connecting the dots. Right. I'm not listening to you. I'm not understanding you. But if I show that I've listened and understood and then I connect it to a path for achieving those goals, you're going to be in. So I think that that's really the thing is you have to know what people want. And you also have to know what people need. And if you're all about the need, you're not going to get people because that's all about you, basically. You're saying, yeah. I know what you need, and, and, and you're not listening, you're not understanding, and that doesn't feel good. And then on the other side, if you're all about what people want, that's basically a snake oil salesman. That's a charlatan. If you're just giving people what they want, you're going to be selling diet pills and body wraps and things that say you're going to lose 10 pounds in yeah. a day. Yeah. And is it possible to make money doing that? Yeah. Is it a little bit harder to sleep at night doing that? Yeah, I would hope so. If you have a conscious conscience. And I'm thinking that most of the people that are listening to this, their heart and mind is in the right place and they truly want to help people. And again, it's just like sales. It's just like SEO. It's just like paid advertising. It's just one of those things you got to do. You have to understand people. You got to do your homework. You got to do your work. Learn about your customer. Have a passion for their pain. What are they suffering from? And then bring it back into the tried and true foundational basics that you know that they actually need. Love it. Love it. Awesome. And that goes to one of the pillars that I talk about, which is marketing the benefits over the features. So what you mm -hmm. were saying is, yes, you know, you're going to keep a three-day food log, et cetera, but you were tying it to the benefit of this is going to help you lose the 10 pounds. So you oh, if you are going to talk about the benefits, you have to drive, I mean, the features, you have to drive it to why are they doing that and listening to the client and what they really want. So I love that. And the last thing that I wanted to go over is you. everything you've said today, I love that you're real. I love that you're saying it is hard. And at the end of the day, we all get to choose our hard. It's hard no matter what path in life you choose. It's hard to not do the work and let your business continue to struggle and go into debt and not, you know, be able to sustain it and give up. 
it's also hard to do the work, to spend the money, to take the risk, to, you know, put yourself out there. So it's just a matter of which path do you want to choose, but at least the choice of choosing the hard that is, you know, you putting yourself out there, giving it your all, you'll be able to say, I have done my best and I have really learned a lot through this experience and I've grown through it versus choosing, "Ah, I'm just going to go through life on autopilot. Whatever happens to me happens. La-di-da. You know, there might be some regret there. (laughs) Absolutely. And you could choose the fast path of I sell snake oil, which again, hard. You're not going to be able to live with yourself at night (laughs) and or the path of I'm going to do this with integrity. I'm going to do this right. It might take a little longer. I really want to help people. This is my passion. This is my mission. So that leads me to my final question for you, which is what is your why behind what you do with marketing and and health and wellness? Just what's your big why? My own personal health and spiritual and mental transformation. I had a real difficult um, adolescence, I guess you would say, and kind of early adulthood. Um, I was in a real dark place for many years. Um, you know, certainly was a happy kid and, and had a great childhood. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that I had, you know, I had a great childhood, um, but had a real difficult time when I started getting out into the world on my own. And I didn't have my parents around. I didn't have, you know, people basically telling me what to do. And you know, for a little while there, I had no idea what I was going to do. I had no prospects and I had no hope of any prospects. And I, I found my personal rock bottom when I was about like 19 or 20 and everyone's got a different, uh, everyone's got a different bottom, you know, everyone's got a different point, um, of saying enough is enough and it's going to look different for everybody. But I found that enough is enough point. Um, luckily when I was in my early twenties and right around that time, uh, one of my best friends uh, died in a car accident. And so it was just, oh, just man. like, boom, 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 boom. All these things that really shook me to my core. And it basically, I would say, broke me as a person. I did not know in any way, shape or form who I was going through a spiritual crisis. You know, I'd, I'd been raised Catholic. I'd become atheist after becoming disillusioned with the church and all of this is all falling apart. All of these, all these structures, all these things that I'd used to prop myself up and prop my life up and to identify myself and to associate myself with, you know, whether it was my ego or possessions or actions or whatever the case may be, all of that fell apart. And so I kind of had that blank slate. And that's where, um, you know, that's where the initial interest in yoga and Tai Chi came in because those things, which my mom had been telling me to do for years and years and years, I finally was like, well, Okay, I'll try it because I have nothing. I, I literally have nothing else positive going on right now. Started uh, practicing a little bit of yoga at a at a local gym, uh, watching some Tai Chi videos. Um, that's when I started eating whole foods, quit smoking cigarettes, started exercising regularly. All these things, and it's like slowly, brick by brick, began to build or rebuild myself into the person that. I think I probably always was, but had lost. Mm. Uh, And that has been an ongoing process for the past, you know, I'm 36 right now. So that's been going on almost 20 years. Mm. Um, And every, I'm still, I'm still in it, but that was the initial turning point. And so I know that for me, I've been in the dark and I've also turned towards the light and I'm not, 
I'm not there yet. And I don't know if we're ever there yet, whatever there is. But I definitely know that my life now is infinitely more peaceful, infinitely more satisfying, infinitely more loving than it was almost 20 years ago. Wow. When everything was anger, frustration, rage, resentment. So that's my why. It's it's having been on both sides of the fence. And I think diet is important. I think understanding yourself and your own mind is important. I think physical movement, whatever moves you, you know, whether it's yoga or tai chi or ballet or walking or crossfit or whatever, you know, all of these things are important because they're all paths back to ourselves and they're all paths of you know, uh, getting a greater and greater, greater understanding of what it means to be human, what it means to be alive. And I think that this is a, a, an incredible gift that if you're here and you're listening to this, you got it. You are basically you already won the lottery. Mm-hmm. So what do you do with your winning lottery ticket? Do you squander it or do you invest it and, and try to do something meaningful with it? And I think that we're as human beings, we're meaning makers, we're storytellers. Um, you can start writing a new story about yourself today. You know, you can do that. Mm-hmm. And I think as a coach, that's really what you're partnering with your clients to do is let's start writing a new story for you. Well, your old story might have been that you can't ever go out to eat because you end up drinking too much and eating too much. And then you're, you know, next thing you know, you're 10 pounds overweight, or you can never say no to uh, your mom when she, you know, uh, wants to, to, you know, feed you X, Y, Z, or I just can't make money, or I'm just yeah. never going to be successful, or whatever, whatever that story is, you can start writing a new one. And again, it's going to take work. And like you said, it's going to be work whether you do or you don't. Mm-hmm. And you're either going to take an active role in writing that story, or you're going to take a passive role. And if given the option, I would prefer to be an active participant in my own life. And that, I think, is ultimately the goal. Ah, oh, wow. I love it. Rebranding your story. Rebranding yourself. I love it. And I have to say thank you so much. Your story is incredibly inspiring. And maybe one day we'll have to do a follow-up with you just about storytelling because that was really yeah. powerful. Um, now, where can people find you? and connect with you. So sure. So me personally, probably the best thing is just, uh, check me out on Instagram at Tony fed fitness. So that's just where I post my regular updates and you can kind of see what I'm doing in my day to day life. So if you're interested in that, if you All are right. Tony fed fitness and then everything else is, um, I'm, I'm right now I'm actually working all in full time. Kind of the first time in my life, I only have one job as a <laughs> trainer and a coach. I think most people can relate to having a lot of yeah, different gigs. Of I was course. there. I was podcasting. Oh I was, yeah. You know, group exercise, personal training. You know, Skype coaching, etc. I was doing all of it, but now I'm just doing the one thing. So that one thing is Natural Force. You can find out more at naturalforce.com, and then on social media, all of our profiles are at my Natural Force. And like we were saying at the top of the show, if folks are interested in actually experiencing some Natural Force products. Um, we'd like to be able to offer your audience the opportunity to try some of our clean coffee. It's tested for mold, pesticides, mycotoxins, etc. The beans are specifically roasted for health, which actually yields almost 200% more antioxidants. Um, we nitrogen flush the packaging to keep it fresh. It's all sustainably harvested, organic beans hand-picked from a single farm in Colombia. 
our plantation. Um, so that will be available as well if people are interested. Yay, I can't wait. So everybody go to HaleyRowe.com slash marketing, and we will talk to you soon, Tony. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for uh, inviting me. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to get your free gift over at HaleyRowe.com by joining my email list. And remember, you can always connect with me and other health coaches in the Health Coach Nation free Facebook group where I post trainings and videos on how to take your health coaching business to the next level. Can't wait to connect with you. Have an awesome day.